2: This one hits home because, as you know, I was a college bookie. With Jonathan Zaslow, I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. He's in for Amber Wilson here on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80, as we are presented in part by Progressive Insurance. And joining us right now, uh, man, this man can put some words together. And he does remarkable investigative pieces for us here at ESPN. John Barr returns here to ESPN Radio. And, JB, thank you so much for your time. Uh, your piece on on gambling and wagering across the country, especially on college campuses, is absolutely remarkable. Outside the Lions has done a piece on it now. Uh, we highly recommend folks go, go read it on ESPN.com. JB, we're just going to give the floor to you. Uh, so you, you went to and, and found a former college athlete who you nicknamed Jack. The floor is yours. What did you learn from Jack?
3: Well, thank you so much. Yeah, we uh, we actually started down the path to engaging with counselors who treated folks who were suffering from gambling disorders. And when we were well engaged in that process, we we met a man who turned us on to Jack. And all we knew at the time was that he had gone through the treatment program and that he at one point was a practice squad player for a Division I school at a Power Five conference. And when we sat down to talk with the young man, he not only chronicled his own struggles with gambling, you know, it started off like it so often does in small amounts where he was betting 20 to $40 a game. You know, he was getting credit from a bookie who he had a personal relationship with. You know, in a bad week, he might lose a couple hundred bucks. This was his freshman year in college in 2017, but by his sophomore year, junior year, he was betting in the thousands of dollars. And it was in his junior year, he told us that he started acting as an agent for a bookie. So he, you know, he didn't hold the book, but he essentially was the on-campus agent for a larger book. And he had about 55 to 60 guys on his sheet, including a number of football players. And again, this was a D1 school, Power 5 conference. Everything was against the rules, right? Uh, he was also taking bets, he told us, from a few different players on a practice squad, as well as a starter on the basketball team. And we asked him, did these players ever bet on their teams to lose? He said no. Most of it was... Moneyline bets, over-unders, but he says he never took a bet on the teams to lose. And this kind of squares, guys, with what the NCAA has shared with us. You know, it's kind of remarkable to me. We, You know, Jeremy Schaap, the outside of the lines team, myself, we've been working for the last few months trying to – delve as much as we can into this world of online sports betting, which is now legal in 38 states in this country, right? And ESPN has a relationship with a gambling company now, right? And we wanted to understand it more, understand the impact of it. And one of the amazing things to me is that it has now spread like wildfire to 38 states, but the federal government hasn't done a prevalent study, a study on the degree to which people are getting into trouble with gambling, since 1999. But the NCAA has done studies. And as recently as last year, when Charlie Baker took over as president of the NCAA, they did a, a number of surveys, and they found that 67% of kids on college campuses, 18, age 18, to 22, are betting on sports or have bet on sports. And of those, more than a third use an on-campus bookie. And this guy certainly fit into that narrative.
0: John, how aware are coaches of everything you just said, or is it more, you know, see no evil, hear no evil?
3: Oh, I think they're painfully aware. We sat down with Charlie Baker in late January, and he told us that it is rare for him to engage with student-athletes where he doesn't hear some story about athletes being the target of gambling interests. Athletes are hearing about it on social media. They're the targets of harassment. A number of coaches around the country have spoken out about this. Baker shared with us that they had to provide round-the-clock, 24-7 protection for a team that was engaged in a national championship because they had received threats online from gambling interests. You know, we pressed him to try to determine which sport it was, which team, and he would not offer up that specific information. But that sort of speaks to the severity of this problem. The NCAA has partnered with a company called Epic Risk Management, and they use mostly former athletes a number of whom are recovering from gambling disorders, to go around. They, they did it more than 100 times last year on college campuses across the country to speak to athletes about the risks and just to make them aware of the fact that, yeah, you can start off in, innocent and small time, but it can get out of control in a hurry and snowball in a hurry. Not in every case, but in some cases it does, and it really can have devastating consequences when it does.
2: Oh, baby. John Barr, ESPN reporter, Peabody Award winner, joining us here on ESPN Radio. He has a remarkable piece up on ESPN.com about gambling on college campuses. And if you are just tuning in, he he, he ran into and met a a former D1 athlete uh, whose name in the piece is, quote, Jack, end quote. And it's it's remarkable. And and as far as Jack goes, uh, John, what did you learn from him as far as hitting rock bottom and how is he doing now?
3: He's doing much better now. Thank goodness. Uh, he's in graduate school. He hasn't gambled in more than a year. He tells us it's in large part because of the treatment he went through and his family is, is now well aware of his addiction and he got the help that he needs. And this is a a young man who, when he hit rock bottom, as you say, he had been extended credit by bookmakers in the tens of thousands. He he said at one point he probably owed north of $50,000 to these guys. And it got pretty bad. You know, at one point they were calling his house, threatening to break his legs and threatening to out him to his loved ones and using any means necessary to get the money. And and he shared with us that at at one point, you know, he was walking uh, near his old apartment down by a river and, you know, he thought about jumping in the river. And it's not uncommon for people who are at the depths of of their addiction to have suicidal ideation. And, you know, he certainly fit that description, but, you know, that that's right around the time he reached out to his family and he, he had said that he needed help, he was in debt, and uh, he he didn't know how to get out of the hole. And that's when they they got him into treatment, and he turned his life around.
0: You know, John, I'm, I'm sure Jack, part of the reason he likes getting that story out to you is because maybe it'll deter a young man or lady from getting involved the way that he did, but based on everything, any young person listening to what you've just said to us and any young person who read the story from today... I can't help but feel it still does not deter anyone. If you're a young man or girl, young young boy or young lady, you get to college, you're in that environment, you're in the atmosphere, it's so easy to get caught up in it.
3: Without a doubt. And look, you know, we should underscore the point that it's possible to have a healthy relationship with gambling, right? You know? Less, you know, John, John, I'll say
2: this, John. To that point, I'll say this as a, as a, as an old bookmaker in, in college, right? Uh, and that we, yeah. we never threatened anybody. I mean, if you didn't pay, you didn't pay. To be honest with you, I mean, my gosh, what are we gonna really do? Uh, but you know, when it comes to to that aspect of it, you know, I mean, it's 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 one of those things where uh, how, how, how do I put this? You know, e- either you are, or you aren't, right? I mean, it's 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 one of those things where it's available, but you know, it's like alcohol or cigarettes. If you're it's gonna something do it, you're gonna you like do it, or something. You yeah, don't like, yeah. Gonna, you you are or you aren't. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, look, millions of people, tens of millions of people consume alcohol. A small percentage of those people become alcoholics, right? Uh, you know, it, I, 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 one of the things that we discovered is that you know there's federal legislation that was recently introduced, and it's calling for a national prevalence study to be conducted by the CDC so that we can understand just how many people suffer from gambling disorder or exhibit signs of problem gambling. Some individual states have already done that work. New Jersey, for example, found that it was in the neighborhood of 6%. You know, if you you speak to the American Gaming Association, they'll tell you it hovers around more than 1% to 2%. But the reality is, Again, there hasn't been a national study done since 1999. That's amazing. So, yeah, and and we've, you know, essentially in May of 2018, the Supreme Court, by striking down a federal law, threw it wide open and said to the states, do what you want, and 38 states have legalized it, and it's been a cash cow for them. You know, they've raised um, more than $5 billion in tax revenue, um, but I think it, it would behoove us to understand just what the public health implications are of that. <laughs> and I, and you know, you would, you would hope as time goes by that uh, policymakers in Washington and and in state houses across the country will, will maybe hit pause and, and think to themselves, okay, we've legalized it. Now let's understand what the implications of it are. And Um, I think we're getting to that point in a number of different states, and it remains to be seen if we'll get to that point nationally.
2: It's a fascinating conversation. It's a remarkable read and and a tremendous job. Again, uh, John, uh, you, uh, the entire Outside the Lines crew, uh, and and a remarkable piece by Jack opening up for so many young people out there. Thank you so much for your time as always. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you so much, John.
3: You bet. I appreciate it, and, I, and I'll tell you one thing. I'm not going to run into a guy named Dirty Jim.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain that story on the back end. JP, you're the best, man. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> All right. You take care. Uh, I'm trying to, man. So I guess that's now we have to tell the story of a yeah. bookie named Dirty Jim when you return here on ESPN Radio.
4: Go
0: to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be.
2: Interesting conversation with John Barr, ESPN reporter, on his piece that he has up right now on ESPN.com, Outside the Lines. Did a remarkable story on wagering on college campuses and how it's become... Much more prevalent, coast to coast, border to border. With Jonathan Zazlow and me, if it's Simmons here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel eighty. A little heavy on a Friday evening. I'll, I'll be honest, uh, Zaz. But I mean, it, it it is a fascinating read. And if you if you missed our conversation with Jonathan Barr, and and, and you haven't read his piece on ESPN dot com, he basically met a former D one athlete at a Power Five school, who told him that he was a an underling for a bookie. Yeah. And he had about 50 guys that he took bets from. Uh, and then was making money early on in, in, in his wagering career as a wagerer and then as a JV bookie. And then after he left college, really got in over his skis to the point where he owed, you know, north of $100,000, this guy named, quote, Jack, and quote. Because he
0: got, he got tired of being the one chasing, uh, you know, chasing yep. down the money people owed him and his, you know, Boss, and he ended up becoming one of the guys who places the bets,
2: and that is the the wrong side to be on if you don't have discipline. Uh, now, the, 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 at the end of the conversation with with John Barr, he brought up a name Dirty Jim, and I, I've I've known Barr for a long, long time, and I, I'm I'm an open book about everything in my life, and I was a college I, I was a college bookie, an underling, uh, you know, to the big guy. When I was at the University of Alabama, I won't mention the big guy's name. I think he's still active. Uh, but, you know, we're going 30 years later and the dude is still I active. mean, he must have done well for himself then <laughs> like if he's, he's still in the game. Well. But my partner's name was Dirty Jim. Okay, You can't make this up. I mean, and, and, and when, you, when, you, when your partner's name, when, when you're a, a book, is Dirty Jim and you're, you know, fifth-year seniors, you know, at, 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 at an SEC school – I mean, there's going to be a, a few instances where you're like, wait, wait, what are we doing? But I, I promise you, my favorite Dirty story. Is it gym like the story, scene in the
0: town? Whose call we taking?
2: Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, we're, we're going to go beat some people up, and you can't ask any questions. Whose car Who's we call taking? we taking? <laughs> Great movie, by the way. Ben Affleck and, and, and company and Jonathan Renner. But anyway, so my favorite Dirty gym story, it, it's Peyton Manning's playing uh, Georgia. Georgia's at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And we have got more money than you. I mean, we can't we can't pay it. We lose this game, teases, parlays, straight ups on Tennessee. We're done. We're cooked as Christmas dinner. So we would normally lay off with a guy above us who we were under, mm-hmm. right? And we kick yep. back a, a commission. Well, dirt was always wanted to lay off. Always lay it off, right? I mean, you know, we, we want we want to have you know sixty of forty. Yeah. Well, this particular night, he was at a wedding in Atlanta. So it was just my call.
0: So you wanted the big score,
2: and I said, you know what? We are in this for a reason, man. The, 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 these punks can't Vegas. They, they don't air condition massive buildings in the, in the Nevada right. desert. It doesn't look like the lose. way it does
0: because they lose. That's right.
2: I said to hell with it. I ain't laying off a dime. Wow. So he, he calls right before kick.
0: How is that? How, how is and it he, sweating and, that and, game and, out? Of you? And he
2: goes, he goes, hey, how much? We what do we got? I gave him the number, and it was a big number. Teases parlays, straight ups, everything. And then he says, "How much we lay off?"
0: What do you mean lay off?
2: I went. <laughs> he goes, "Dude, what did you do? what did you what'd you do? What what did you bleep and do?" I went, "I didn't lay off a dime. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm going to kill you when I get there." In the three-hour drive from the wedding to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Georgia had not only covered every tease, every parlay, every straight up, but won the game outright. He went from wanting to kill me. To he gave me a big old kiss on the cheek when he walked in.
0: What was it like sweating yeah. that game out, Ian? Awful, awful. Yeah, it was so it, it bad. Was,
2: but at the end, it it was unbelievable. And that's what, what Jonathan Barr was talking about, right, John Barr, where it's that rush that you get. And the problem with wagering in this day and age, where it has become so mainstream, look, we're, we're in it also, ESPN yeah. Bet, we're in it. It's that rush, and you have to have discipline, folks. You ha- Kids are you learning have to. so
0: much sooner now these days, too.
2: It, it is so mainstream, and so is the Marahoochee, right? I mean, so it's become accessible. legal, you know, so much more, and it's legal. You know? and so it It is one where you, if you have an addictive personality – It's not for you. If you have discipline and know that, you know, I can afford to lose $200 this week, right? Then wagering is for you. Because there is a difference, Zaz, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, when it comes to wagering and gambling. Gambling is when you cannot pay the bet. That's right. Wagering is when you can. And there's a remarkable difference. And kids in college, for the most part, I've been on both sides of it, really don't have that discipline.
0: I remember Charles Barkley who has always been very open about how much he gambles. Good and friend one of ours. time and one time someone asked, you know, in some kind of interview maybe it was if he has a gambling problem. I said gambling problem, I'm rich. I don't have a I don't have it's, I don't have a gambling problem. I can afford everything I'm doing. I'm rich. You have a problem when you can't afford it. That's it. Uh, which of course is very true. Uh, I had no no comprehension of how gambling works until i got to school until i got to the university of florida and then and this is from someone who grew up around sports loving sports since i'm a little boy and i have no idea how gambling works in high school even when i first got to college it's not on my radar and once it appeared on my radar and it's like okay so this number means this and this means this and I know a lot about sports, which, of course, you know, if you know anything about gambling, that, that's, that's such a minimal part of gambling is how much you know about sports. Okay, There's so much more to it. And I know about sports, and I can bet on these games, and I can win money on sports now. Like, it was a whole new world, essentially, that opened up to me, Ian. And, and yeah, and, and, like, I was hooked. Now, I, I don't have an addictive personality so I can shut it off when I want, but or when I wanted. But there was a time where, again, you don't have a gambling problem if you're rich, if you can afford it, but there was a time where it's like, I was down with, with my, I had a guy, I had a, I, had, I had a friend, he ran the book, you know, and it was coming up on the end of the week, and me and, like, two of my friends were all kind of in the same boat, you know, where we're all down, we've had a really rough week, I'm down more than I'm going to be able to afford. And it was one of those deals where and I told my friends, I go, all right, we're laying it all on the line for this one game here. And if it doesn't come through – that's it. I'm done. I got to bite the bullet. I got to call home. I have to call my father, and I'm going to have to tell him what's happening, and, and I just got to eat it. Like, this is it. This is the game, because I can't afford to pay what I owe right now, and I definitely can't afford to lose it if I'm double or nothing. So, either I win this, and we're good, or I have to call home. That's luckily. the biggest thing. Never
2: chase money, folks. Don't yeah. chase it. Yeah. 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 Ahead, like, ahead. I knew.
0: I, I can't dig a bigger hole. I'm either going to win and be okay, or I have to call my father, and I'm just going to eat it. He's going to chew me out. It's going to be ugly, and I'm just going to have to take it. And that was the, you know, now we won. I won the game. Never had to make that call. Thank you. Never had to make that call. But that was where it got me. was like, all right, because I I don't have an addictive personality. But it's like, uh, this is the end of the line for me here. This This is it. And in that story that John Barr wrote, Jack... Had to bite that bullet at one point, where he had to. Call the twenty dollars bet
2: him. wasn't enough for him, though. Also, right? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't enough of a, of the juice of of the adrenaline rush, and that's what happens with addictive personalities. Whether you're an alcoholic, whether you can't stop dipping or smoking or. You know, you name it, you know, wagering. I mean, again, there's a difference between wagering and gambling. And well, I, I, we can't encourage you enough to go and read this piece by John Barr on ESPN.com or check out the Outside of the Lines piece. I mean, it is absolutely fascinating. Now, it's a little heavy on a Friday, uh, but, man, it, it is, it's, it's struck a nerve with both Zaz and I uh, and James Steele and you know, Cam Mercery, our, our, our a, uh, producer and APs. I mean, it is a remarkable, remarkable read because Jack really opened up. And he, and he basically wrote the piece first person. John Barr basically just gave him the platform yeah. and said, you write it, go get it. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it was absolutely remarkable.
0: And, and look, the story I'm telling right there, we're talking almost 15 years ago. The way sports betting is now and how accessible it is, and on these big college campuses with the major sports programs like University of Florida where I went, oh, my God, I can't even imagine what it is like today. It is so prevalent. It is so out there.
2: No doubt about it, man. He says, I'm the infant Simmons. All right, coming up next and Big Deal or Not a Big Deal, the one thing that, w- that would have made Tyreek Hill choose the New York bleeping Jets over the Miami Dolphins is next here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM Channel 80 as we are presented in part by Progressive Insurance. I'm not going to say who, but somebody is a big Cornell Big Red fan right now on, on this crew. It's not me. It's not Zaslow. That would be me. It's <laughs> not me. It's not James Steele. It's Cam Mercery, our AP tonight, our associate producer, who is coming off the wagering conversation with John Barr, a remarkable piece on ESPN.com. Zaz and I just had screamed in our ears, come on, Cornell. <laughs> yeah, there's no problem. <laughs> no, we're not. No problem. <laughs> you're you're wagering on Ivy League and Patriot League basketball on a Friday night. God bless you, Cam. That's why we love you, man. Uh, this is ESPN Radio. He's Jonathan Zaslow, in for Amber Wilson. I'm me and you Simmons here on ESPN Radio. ESPN App Series XM Channel 80. By the way, speaking of uh, of games and wagering, Celtics right now, one twelve and ninety-four on top of the Mavs. We had Bet Your Hands Bleed, Celtics minus eight. Let's hang on there. Eight fifty-three to go. In the game, again, Celtics 112, Mavs 94. Cavs beat the Pistons 110, 100. And the Sixers on top of the Hornets. That was the final 121, 114. Right now, let's let you know what's a big deal or not a big deal. We'll begin yes. with Tyreek Hill and, and, a, and a Hollywood actor.
4: It's making headlines. Extra, extra. Read all about it. But is
2: it a big deal or not a big deal with Amerindian? Or Zazz. Here's James. Hello, yeah.
1: James. Yeah. Uh, so Tyree Hill uh, saw on That's Twitter today that yeah, yeah. I mean, he was my guy too, but it's fine. The Chiefs just won two Super Bowls without him. Uh, One with him, you know. They listen, said they couldn't. Listen, it's fine. It's all. It all turned out great for me. Uh, so uh, he was on a podcast and he said that he was really cl- I, when the trade happened. Mm-hmm. The reports were it was between the Dolphins and the Jets. That's right. And he obviously went to the Dolphins. That's why you like him, Zaz. But he was on a podcast uh, earlier this week, and he said there there was one thing that could have changed his mind and sent him to the Jets. Here he is.
4: Hey, so Adam Sandler stopped you from being a Jet. He didn't call me, bro. Yeah, I'm almost a, a New York Jet, man. I'm a, I'm a huge Adam Sandler guy. And Adam Sandler loves the New York Jets. So I want to. <laughs> my, my, my request was if Adam Sandler was to call me and ask me to come play for the Jets, I'd have win.
1: So, yeah, that was Tyreek Hill on the uh, Punchline podcast.
4: And he went on to elaborate.
1: Yeah, with Marlon Humphrey. Uh, Zaz, big deal, not a big deal. Not a big that deal. Tyreek Hill, that if Adam Sandler would have called Tyreek Hill just one call from Adam Sandler, that he'd be a Jet. And not a Dolphin.
0: Not a big deal. Not even remotely believable that it came down to Adam Sandler, Big Jets fan, not calling Tyreek Hill as opposed to the Miami Dolphins actually offering more money. It's not even remotely believable. All these athletes, they love going on the podcast now, Ian. They all got stories to tell. The other day, Chris Paul wanted us to believe that the reason the Miami Heat didn't trade for him... Was because Dwayne Wade was already wearing number three. I'm supposed to believe that nonsense too. Everybody's got a story. It's not a big deal. Not believable.
2: I'm going to go big deal because if you listen to the entire thing later on, he also says, "Hey, Adam Sandler calls me. I'm a Jet, and I'm also getting in a movie." I mean, he He was going to be in Grown Ups Part Two. He had this whole thing right. I mean, planned. So I'm going to go big deal. And can you imagine? Garrett Wilson one side, Tyreek Hill the other. Uh, You couldn't protect your quarterback anyway, so I guess it wouldn't have mattered. But I thought it was kind of a big deal that Tyreek Hill was that open about his fondness for Adam Sandler and that, yeah, I kind of – his tone of voice and you watch his body language, he was almost damn dead serious. And if Sandler would have called him and go, look, you're a jet, I've got you in my next movie in this cameo, he might have been there. Ian, your favorite Adam Sandler movie? Go ahead. Oh, Happy Gilmore. Okay. But you got a problem with that? No, Happy go a great movie. Come All on.
1: What yeah. about yours? You can't you can't ask the question and then not also give us your favorite.
0: Probably Billy Madison. Want to touch the Heine. I mean, come on.
1: What? What about, uh What I was the you to w- go home? What was the, Let's wh- go
2: home? It's your home.
1: He was in. Uh, he was in Un- Uncut Gems, right? That yeah, a, that's serious. That Sandler. A He's got a few of Good movie, though. Yep. And what was the basketball? Uh, oh, one? that's a
0: good movie too. What's that one called? I can't remember Where the name. He's a scout. Of it. That's right. But that's a good movie.
1: Yeah, he was. He was. He was good in that too. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I mean, since we're talking about basketball now, uh, Joel Embiid spoke to the media on Thursday afternoon for the first time since he suffered a knee injury a month ago, and said he hopes that he will be able to turn, uh, return sometime before the regular season is over. Quote: That's the plan. Obviously, everything has to go right as far as getting healthy and being as close as I'm supposed to be. But yeah, that's the plan. Uh, and he basically said that uh, no matter what, even if the Sixers weren't in a good spot uh, and making the playoffs, and quote, the same reason why I was pushing to play the last couple games before I got hurt. Uh, I just love playing basketball. I want to be on the floor as much as possible. I only have about 20 years to do this. Uh, Ian, big deal, not a big deal that Joel Embiid may come back no matter what as long as he's healthy enough.
2: He also said he has to be 100% cleared by the doctors, right? But his passion for the game in as he said, even if we're out of the playoffs or we're in the play in tournament or in, or actually, you know, in the playoffs, he he wants to go back out there if he's cleared to play. That to me shows his passion for the game. I think it's a big deal and it's actually refreshing because most guys of his stature or reigning M V P would shut it down and wait on next year.
0: Yeah, I'm going big deal also because I do believe he's gonna come back to play mainly because they're not going to slip out of the play-in. They're 11 games up on the number 11 team, which right now is Brooklyn. I do believe they are going to drop into the play-in. And they won night. Yeah. I mean, matter of fact, they're only one game up in the loss column of number 7 and number 8 Miami. I do believe they're going to slip to the play-in, but we saw what the Miami Heat did last year from the play-in spot. And Joel Embiid, he's the reigning league MVP. So why wouldn't he believe that, you know what? We're going to be this year's version of Miami. So, yeah, I think it's a big deal, and he's going to play when he's ready.
1: All right, the Miami Heat, they're uh, eighth game. in the East. But they had won five straight before losing to the uh, Nuggets earlier this week. And on our uh, NBA pregame show last night, uh, our friend Kevin Winter talked yeah. to TNT's Chris Haynes. And this is what uh, Chris had to say about uh, Playoff Jimmy.
4: Somebody close to Jimmy Butler just told me
1: about five minutes before I came on, it said Jimmy is ramping up to Playoff Jimmy. It's that time. And you know, I I talked to Coach Spo this morning about, you know, Miami seems to be a team like they don't care about seeding when they go into playoffs. They (laughs) They, They don't care. All they care about is health. And if everybody is on the same page
2: and
4: and you see what they do in the playoffs, once they get there, it's like they're a a number one seed. and So um, that's the way they feel. But this is the ramp-up phase. I expect the Miami Heat to find their groove right now.
1: Zaz big deal, not a big deal that playoff. Jimmy is loading.
0: Well, I mean, this is a big – it's not a surprise, but this is a big deal because it's true. Yes, I think everything Chris Haynes was saying there is spot on. The Miami Heat, I think, have already found their groove. They just won five in a row, all of which were on the road. They just had an excellent road trip that closed out with a tight loss last night at the Nuggets. And the fact of the matter is, this Miami Heat team, no matter what seed they are, they are
2: inevitable. Oh, I think it's not just a big deal, a massive deal. Hell, they beat the Kings in Sacramento without half their roster. Yep. (laughs) Coming off the the suspensions against the Pels, right? And went toe to toe with the Nuggets last night without three guys, including up, you know, uh, Tyler Hero. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. You hear them wrapping up playoff Jimmy and sp- look, Eric Spolstra, right there. Eric Spolstra, to me is one of the more underrated, underappreciated coaches in all of professional sports. Still, here like in like that definitely
0: used to be the case. I don't know if it's the case anymore.
2: In NBA circles, it's not anymore. I think if you're a fringe NBA fan, you're like. Oh, he's still there?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. He's 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 yeah. Not only is he still there, he's one of the best in the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and the NBA. Spo is is just remarkable at getting everything from every player that he has yep. on his roster onto the floor. It's remarkable. Celtic
0: fans are going to be so mad when the Heat beat them in the second round this year.
2: Oh, here Man. we go.
1: All right, one more real quick. Come uh on. Er- Earlier today on uh, Carlin versus Joe, the icon, Sting, wow. joined them. Uh, not the
2: singer. No, not no. the singer.
1: No, 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 no. Yeah, we had that discussion earlier this week. And uh, the other co-host Did of you the really? Show, was
2: I not here for that?
1: You were. It was incredibly no, no. disappointing.
0: Ian was out. It was me and Amber a couple days ago. We had a right. five-minute conversation. It was Wednesday when I was doing the UFL yeah. town yeah. hall. We had a five-minute conversation about the icon, Sting. Amber thought we were talking about Sting from the police. Well, he is an icon. The real
1: Icon Sting, the guy who you Google, you Google Sting, and the actual Icon Sting pops up. (laughs)
2: Oh dear lord! Okay, we're gonna gonna move on. Anyway, the Icon Sting
1: was on Carlin versus Joe because on Sunday at AEW Revolution, the pay per view is his last match, and here's what he had to say:
3: Just training like I always have to get ready for any match. It's you know all,
1: all the decades. I'm not treating it any different. The only thing that is different is the stress levels. Uh, I would say that they're much, much higher because I know there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this match and it's my last one. And of course I want to leave a a good memory for everybody. I want it to be a night that
2: people will not forget. And, uh,
3: that's, that's my goal. It always has been throughout my whole career. All I wanted to do, I didn't care about world titles and all that stuff. I just cared about, you know, the fans walking away going, Oh man, it was unreal. You know, so that's my goal. (laughs)
1: I so, love that. Sting's final match on Sunday. He is uh, he, currently AEW tag team champion along with Darby Allen. Uh, Ian, big deal, not a big deal. Sting's um, last match.
2: B- gr- big deal. This this one of the guys I I, I was watching growing up. He's got to be what mid sixties now. Sixty four. Sixty four. Yep. Okay, oh look at I'm kind of proud of myself right there. I mean, you know, when I, when I was growing up, um, and I'm only. Twelve years younger than he is, I say. Growing up, but still, I mean, he it wasn't it wasn't the black and white face paint sting, right? It was, I mean, it was the multi. Yeah, yeah, and just a bad A. I mean, you know, and the Ric Flair, you know, doc that ESPN did was amazing. Where Sting is talking about Ric Flair teaching him, man, when he has him the figure four leg lock, right? Like, hey, man, lean back and scream, and then beat your chest. You're, 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 you're coaching him up. That's yeah. the honesty of the best to ever do it in coaching up a young guy who passing the baton right and Sting took it and ran with it. Sting is one of the greatest to ever get, you know, in the squared circle. And I, 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 am, I didn't know it was his last match. It's coming yeah. up. I'm gonna watch. Can't wait. Big deal. Uh,
0: it's a big deal. Obviously, AEW is getting my money this Sunday night. I gotta watch Sting's same uh, final match. And and it just goes like I love pro wrestling. That's no secret. And, and what he was saying there with uh, Carlin versus Joe was, uh, is exactly it, where he's going to go out there at 64 years old and he's going to put Amazing. his body on the line once again because he wants you know, people like us to, to watch it and have a memory. You know, that, that's why he's doing it. It's, 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 it's one of the great things about pro wrestling. Love it. Big deal.
2: He's Jonathan Zaslow. I'm Ian Simmons. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits. One of the country's top place, workplaces. Come join their growing team. Go to progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. And a reminder... Tune into NBA action tomorrow night as the Lakers host the Nuggets. Kesty will be on the call. Mark Kestisher presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Coming up next, when you return, an NFL GM gave us five combine questions he poses to every combine prospect. We give them to you next on ESPN Radio. Jonathan Zaslow, me and Fitzsimmons here on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, SiriusXM XM, Channel 80. Coming up in 30 seconds, we're going to throw five questions at you that I was given from a former NFL GM that he poses to every draft pick that he meets at the NFL Combine, and we will pose them to our crew and get ready to be uncomfortable. Reminder, tune in to NBA Action Sunday as the Mazz Host the Sixers. I'll be there. Presented by Indeed right here in Dallas, oh, Texas. Coverage okay. begins at 12.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. He's Zazlo on Fitzsimmons. All right, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Zazz coming to you first, then to James Steele, then to Cam Mercery. These are five questions that a former NFL GM named Mike Tannenbaum would pose to every draft prospect. And no
0: matter, you know,
2: first-round pick, whatever. Face-to-face, yeah. Face-to-face, okay. right? And he wants to read body language, tone, everything. Ready? Gotcha. Here's the first one. Let me hear it. What is something that you have worked hard at that you've been unable to accomplish?
0: Wow. Okay. Something that I've worked hard at that I've been unable to accomplish.
2: Wow. Not drafting a- you. You're out. Yeah.
0: That, yeah. I guess, I guess I failed that quite That's a good question, though.
4: I have a I have a good answer. Come on, Aunt. Come on, Cam. Uh, changing my diet. I will say that uh, something I've worked hard at changing my diet, eating better, putting a little bit more greens into my body. So I go there.
2: Ag one, yeah. get on it. I, I do it every day. I feel the difference. I like it. Good good answer, James.
1: I was going to say something funny like producing this show. I'm not very good at it, but I do work <laughs> hard at it. Um,
2: Actually, you're very good at it. But go eh, ahead.
1: Mm, um. I probably like a, a good like a workout routine, or you know, just being on top of uh, being healthier.
2: Zaz, you, you want to come yeah,
0: around on e- that one? E- eating better, eating better would definitely be it. Okay.
2: But I don't know that I've worked very hard at it. Th- Whatever. Th- we'll go with an easy one for round two. Yeah. What is your pet peeve, Zaz? Stupid people. Hate on. Oh, that's good. Hey, okay, I'm drafting you. You uh, you 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 come but you're, you you went you run from in the box. And for people don't know what in the box is, that means if your name is up on the board and is is a box around it, you're undraftable. Saz, so now you're, the box has been erased. You're draftable again. Cam, what do you got?
4: Uh, disrespectful people. Uh, I think people that just don't respect people's opinions in general. So I'll go there.
2: Okay, you hate me, uh, James.
4: How much time I do we have? You. I love um, you.
2: I'm <laughs> kidding.
1: Uh, people who drive slow in the left-hand lane. Oh, my gosh, yes. That was my answer. Um, That's what I told Tannenbaum.
2: (laughs) That same one. When you're on a road trip and that dude just riding that cruise control at 72 it's a 70. And then when you flash the brights and he still doesn't move. Get the hell over, man. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. James, thank you.
1: I have said so many swear words uh, driving to work in Connecticut. Connecticut. I mean, you can just put Connecticut drivers in there.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's the entire United States of America. (laughs) It's awful.
1: You don't drive Left lane
2: America is for passing do not ride your damn cruise control in the left lane i'm with you 100 all right rapid fire zaz if you were coaching yourself how would you get the most out of you
0: oh man i would i would offer up more money if i'm being offered money to do something i would do it really well
4: wow (laughs) that's hard to argue uh, I mean, isn't
0: that the answer? That's the number one
4: answer. <laughs> I, I would say, oh, man. I, I guess motivational words waking me up a little bit. Words? Earlier. Give me money. Uh, yeah. Oh, but I, I don't know. We know I, I don't know uh, how we know, can't defeat Zaz, 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 right Zaz,
2: Zaz, you may be back in the box again. Give oh, me oh more I dominated money. that question. What yeah. are you talking about?
1: Give me more money and I'll do better. Thanks, yeah. coach. My-
2: Mine when Tannenbaum posed that to me was I got to be coached hard. If if you, if you go soft on me, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fade. I I I, I you have to coach me hard. Right, beat the hell out of me. Are you? or, or I, I? I will. I will. I mean, I, I I have to be driven. I like this game. Give me another. What is the one thing you would like to change about yourself, Zaz?
0: Oh, I wish I had my hair back. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I just have such good hair. It is a cue ball right now. I
0: used to have such good hair, Ian. People don't even believe I used to have such good hair. It was so good.
4: Cam. Uh, I wish I wasn't so nice. I let a lot of things slide. Okay. James. It's a good answer.
1: Yeah. uh, I would say that I look around and see people who are uh, more positive than me, and I wish that I could have that mindset, but I am a uh, Ginzer who hates everything.
2: Go Air Force. Right there. Okay. Now, Give me another. If you could have lunch with four people, dead or alive, who would it be? This is a standard question. It, it, it goes to military. Yeah, I asked him about, you know, why this one? Because it's a common question. He goes, Your aunt, you're the people, you, you, are they leaders? Are they celebrities? Are, I mean, there's a reason behind it. Yeah. Zav, go. Uh, Eddie Vedder, lead
0: singer of Pearl Jam, number one. Number two, Pat Riley. President of the Miami Heat, great leader as well. Uh, number three, I, I feel like I'd like to throw a president, a former president, you know, of the United States, not of the Miami Heat, in the mix there somewhere. Uh, I don't want to say exactly who, then people get crazy Republican, Democrat, that gets nuts. So I would say a former president, I'll throw in the mix there. And number go four. Teddy Roosevelt.
2: How's that one work?
0: Uh, you said theory. it, not me. Uh, and the fourth one, come back to me. Go ahead, Cam, go ahead.
4: Um, I would probably go uh, my grandfather who passed away before oh, I was cool. even alive. Um, probably Kobe Bryant, ooh, um, Michael Vick, and Johnny Menzel.
2: Wow, that's a list. That's a list. That's a list right there, boy. That last one took a turn. I like it, James. Quickly go.
4: Uh,
1: Travis Kelsey, of course. Chris Jericho, Ooh, Lane Staley. And I don't have another one. I can't think of another one off the top of my head. Patrick Mahomes. What about you, Ian? No, Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby. <laughs> there we go.
2: Hey, I'm Sidney K- Oh, no longer a kid anymore, right? But, yeah, there we go. What do you guys? Ian? five questions. I don't have time. Five questions uh, from Mike Tannenbaum. Yeah, that he gives to every draft prospect.